0: A lot of the times your brain just enters into fight or flight, where you just like lose control of your mind. And that a lot of times that looks like you don't know what to say. Your mind goes blank. You know, I know for a lot of people, myself included, your heart will start to beat very fast. You'll start sweating. You'll feel very hot or also very like ice cold, either or. And then, like, yeah, next thing you know, like you might be stuttering or you just have to get up and leave. Personally for me, I was in that every single day, like literally every single, like almost every moment of my life, which is crazy to think back on. But you know, what happens as a result of this is that it affects like your entire sleep. It it affects what you think about, which then starts to affect your sense of like self-esteem and your confidence in your identity, which then starts to impact your behavior and your habits mm. and really your entire life. And it's why, for example, I know Harvard did a meta-analysis study where they showed that like social anxiety, out of uh, a lot of other mental health issues in America, social anxiety is the most correlated with substance abuse, social Mm -hmm. isolation, and suicide.
1: Welcome to the Good Life Coach podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the show. Today we're going to talk about social anxiety and how it impacts your day-to-day for those of you who are challenged by it and are looking for some relief. Joining us today is Mark Metri, who is a Forbes-featured TEDx keynote speaker, podcast host, interviewing billionaires, New York Times bestselling authors, and world-class human beings on his Top 100 podcast. But not too long ago, Mark couldn't make direct eye contact with anyone and suffered from social anxiety and was not living the life he knew he could live. He's the author of Screw Being Shy, Learn How to Manage Social Anxiety and Be Yourself in Front of of Anyone. Welcome, Mark.
0: Michelle, thank you so much for having me and thank you for creating this platform where people can learn. Thank you.
1: Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, we're all about growing and stepping more into our authentic self and our true voice and our true work on the show. So I think the work that you're doing and what you've Discovered for yourself and how to heal and you know be your full self out there is very aligned with the show. I will say before we get started that this is a conversation based on Mark's determination, his desire to help others. This is not intended at all to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So seek out your physician, um, you know, qualified professional. Uh, but so grateful to have. Your experience, your expertise, and what I love about you, Mark, is you're 24 and you've had all these life challenges, but also so much tremendous success. Like it feels like you've lived like two lifetimes already. <laughs>
0: Do you feel that? <laughs> really? Yeah, I feel that every day. Every you, day. It's yeah. a Each thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: I was going to say maybe take us into you know the early days of when you were really struggling and what that looked like for you and how you worked your way to where you are today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, my story starts when my parents came from Egypt and they moved to America and I was born, uh, like on the East coast of Massachusetts. And, you know, I remember having a very uh, simple childhood is definitely very interesting. Um, and for me, you know, it's been hard to kind of think about this, but for me, when I look back when I was about second grade into third grade, I remember my family and I, we moved into, you know, we moved from like the inner city where there's a lot of different kinds of people and all kinds of people to a very small town. And this was also like post 9-11 in America. And so, as you know, like if you, you know, came from any kind of like Middle Eastern or like Arab descent, you know, that's definitely where you faced, you know, a decent amount of Uh, you know, like discrimination. So I just like remember, you know, being placed in this environment where nobody literally looked like me. And then all of this, you know, uh, you know, bullying, harassment, abuse started. And it's just very, very, it was very strange. It was almost like the best way I could describe it is, it almost feels like someone like took my brain out of my skull and just like put me on like this automatic, Pattern this loop for like ten years of just like trying to stay quiet and not trying to talk to anyone and just like trying to hide and and all these different uh, you know issues that I actually had no idea I had at the time, and so I just thought that I was you know not very smart or I was dumb um, and so you know that was most of my life and uh you know obviously that is terrible um, but for me the way that I coped with that is. I got very much into like the internet and video games, and I did all sorts of things. I like started to learn how to make websites, how to make apps. I got into like social media. I started doing all these different things, and uh, that was great because it taught me so many skills that I use today. And you know, also at the time, like you know, my my parents had no money, um, and uh, that gave me the ability to, you know, really just make money. And, you know, then eventually when I was about 18, I was able to like leave the town that I was in and, uh, I go off to college and, uh, that's where I sort of start to connect the dots a little bit in terms of like, Oh, you know, social anxiety is like a real thing. It's not just like, I'm, I'm stupid or I'm dumb. This is like this loop that my brain is kind of stuck in that hijacks your mind and like your self-esteem. And, you know, at first when I realized that I tried to challenge myself, I tried to get out of that. And a lot of the times, like it made things worse because I would try to like talk to people. I try to make friends and uh, I would still see myself fall in the same challenges and the same patterns. And when that happened, I just like felt so like hopeless. And I'm just like, wow, I'm just going to be stuck like this forever. And then that's sort of where I slowly started to um, you know, go down the spiral in my life where next thing I knew I, I like gained over like 75, 80 pounds. I was over like 200 pounds. I uh, like became seriously depressed for the first time in my life. I couldn't go to sleep. Uh, you know, I had different issues with food and and alcohol and all kinds of things. And it led me to go from a spot where my lifelong social anxiety turned into just like social isolation, I just like stopped talking to my family and my friends, and there was even a point where I was suicidal and when that happened, um, when I went through that, it was very confusing, and I think the best way to describe it is it kind of felt like my brain broke, mm-hmm. and it was really a time where, looking back at it, I decided you know where I was like i'm either going to like be a statistic in the bad way or in the good way. And then I started to realize, you know, like if, you know, if, 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 you know, if I believe, you know, when I was suicidal, that like life had no meaning and there's no point in life, then I started to think like, you know, what if all these different, uh, you know, issues happened to me for like a reason. And what if, you know, All these things happened to put me in this spot that I'm in now to do something differently. Um, And so ever since then, it was just like a very gradual process of just like climbing out of that. And through like the weeks and months and years, I just like literally changed everything about my life. And it was so crazy. And, you know, through the years, started different businesses, started my podcast, uh, you know, became a got started to be invited to be a speaker, and you know all these different things that I'm involved with now. So, it's definitely been interesting.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> I'm is glad interesting. I'm here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. Uh, your story broke my heart a little bit because, you know, you can just imagine a young boy, you know, who is feeling more accepted where in massachusetts i grew up in boston actually and we both nice. have the middle eastern ancestry and so i understand some of you know the discrimination or just people's just lack of understanding mm. of you know whether it's not being able to pronounce a name or just you look a little bit different than everybody else right so when you moved uh my mom had an accent you said your parents moved from there so i imagine they both had accents so anything that creates a layer of Being different or being perceived in a different way makes you look at yourself a different way. Um, And it also, right? And it puts a spotlight on different things. Like I remember probably being maybe eight years old when somebody said, Oh, your mom has such a cute accent. And I'm like, My mom has an accent? I didn't know she did because it was just my mom talking. It took somebody else to point it out for me to even have awareness. So that's a hard place to be. And then when you um, have, you start withdrawing like it sounds like you did right? it it compounded so what did social anxiety look and feel like in your body you know what 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 is that how does that show up because you you were telling me that what is it 10 to what percentage of the population experiences um, this from your research
0: it's it's um i like 20 25 30 million people in america
1: yeah okay reported
0: to have social anxiety
1: okay so what um, define what that looks like and what, what how that shows up yeah for definitely
0: yeah definitely and I think you know to comment on what you said before um yeah I think a lot of the times a lot of the people who I end up working with or people who I hear from who face social anxiety they often you know have had some sort of you know issue whether it was with you know whether it was like discrimination with like their skin color or their gender, or maybe they, you know, hit puberty late, or maybe they had some distinct feature where other people, you know, could make fun of them. Uh, a lot of these are very, very, you know, similar commonalities. And I think the most important thing, if I could go back, I mean, I can't go back, but to tell them is that like, when someone makes fun of you or when someone, you know, makes a comment, um, like that is, ex- that's an example of why they are a not so great person. It, ha- it literally has nothing to do with you. And like, for example, like I remember there'd be like these different moments as a kid where I would be with my parents and like, you know, I don't remember what the situation was, but like, you know, there'd be like, we would be driving and then we pull up in like a light and then like some dude next to us in a motorcycle or something would say, you know, go back to your country, go back to where you came from literally hear that all the time and when you're a kid and you have no idea like what that means um or how to sort of like process that then you think like oh it's my fault like i'm the one who shouldn't belong here when in reality you know probably that person should should leave but um totally you you
1: internalize a level of shame
0: boom because i felt
1: that or like even in college the guy that liked me whatever i remember one time he's like all arabs are terrorists and i was like (laughs) (laughs) no, that's my ancestry. Like, dude, you like me, you see me, I'm your friend. And yet you see me as different. And you made this statement. I forget what I think it was the Iraq war was going on there and things were heated Mm. up. So anytime the American, the U S was at odds with some part of the middle East, you know, anyone with our ancestry, you know, kind of took the brunt of that. I mean, every movie the bad guy went from at one point i remember i grew up in the 70s going it was always the russians and then it was always someone from the middle east or inherited you know and so and i actually never ta- i've never talked about this on the show my audience three years in, probably doesn't know anything about my background but they will today because you know this is just the truth this is you know everybody's got their bias or their xenophobia their fear their lack of understanding and then they put that on you. That's what happened. Like you said, that guy in the motorcycle was putting that on your family. That's his own ignorance and his fear because of that ignorance. Maybe from what he was taught or how he was raised. And so it's yeah. just, it's a shame though. And then, yeah. speaking of shame, it creates a level of shame. Cause you're like, oh, wait, what's wrong? What, why am I flawed? What, you know, we're born into something. You're born into your ancestry. Yeah. We didn't say, yeah. okay, I'll come as, you know this, this ancestry or this skin color or whatever it is you talked about some of the other people you work with, or this feature that stands out more than something else, or, you know, this physical challenge that has eyes on me where I'm not inviting that.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And it's so difficult, you know, uh, to go through and, um, you know, a lot of the times you don't really know what to do about it, but, uh, you know, to answer your question that you said before about how does social anxiety feel. I think a lot of the times, like most issues, there's often like an outward facing layer, you know, in terms of what people see, then there's often, you know, internally big, big picture in their life at night, you know, what happens. And so when it comes to social anxiety, um, like, so for example, I think a good way to like, you know, distinguish this, for example, is like, um, you know, I have a, I have like a two-year-old niece. And I often, you know, for example, like I'll be in different situations where, you know, maybe like we'll be somewhere and then maybe she'll meet someone new. And there's often just like a very natural period, you know, where someone is just a little bit shy and they're just maybe just kind of like observing, they're kind of looking. And then after maybe like, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, eventually they kind of like open up and they start to connect with them. And I think when it comes to like being shy, for example, you know, that's, that's different. Whereas for example, social anxiety is when a lot of the times, like those thoughts of, or, or, you know, experiences or feelings of being shy, they don't necessarily go away. And a lot of the times it doesn't necessarily look like being shy for everyone. Some people can have social anxiety and they can be shy, look shy, Other people can have social anxiety and not even look shy at all, but deep down, you know, they're very, you know, reserved and hesitant. And so when it comes to like, how does it feel, you know, it, 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 it often starts where you think about the first point of like what you're going to say or what you're going to do when you go somewhere. So that could start, you know, the night before that could start the week before, um, where really what happens is your brain is trying to run basically like these simulations. It's trying to figure out like, what should I say? If this person says that, and if this thing happens and what should I say? And a lot of the times, like that just sets you up to, to fail. And a lot of the times, um, it gets disguised as sort of like critical thinking when the reality is that just because you have the same thought over and over again, or you're overthinking, that's, that doesn't mean you're critically thinking. Um, and so I think that's huge. And so oftentimes what happens is, you know, you go, you step in wherever you're, you're supposed to go. It could even be virtually too. It doesn't necessarily just have to be in person. Yeah. And basically like you, a lot of the times your brain just enters into fight or flight where you just like lose control of your mind. And that a lot of times that looks like you don't know what to say. Your mind goes blank. Uh, you know, I know for a lot of people myself included, your heart will start to beat very fast, you'll start sweating, you'll feel very hot or also very like ice cold either or and and then like yeah, next thing you know, like you might be stuttering or you just have to get up and leave and so yeah, I mean for f- personally for me, I was in that every single day, like literally every single like almost every moment of my life, which is crazy to think back on. But you know what happens as a result of this is that it affects like your entire sleep. It, it affects what you think about, which then starts to affect your sense of like self-esteem and your confidence in your identity. Which then starts to impact your behavior and your habits, mm. and really your entire life. And it's why, for example, um, you know I know Harvard did a meta-analysis study where they showed that. Like, social anxiety out of uh, a lot of other, you know, mental health issues in America, social anxiety is the most correlated with substance abuse, social Mm -hmm. isolation, and suicide. And, like, literally, that's exactly what happened to me when I was 18. And it's a, um, and, and you know, what happens as a result of that is when you go through this every single day and and you don't know, or you do, but you just don't know how to do anything about it. it. Yeah. Yeah you know, your brain is very much like, you know, an organ the same way that like, you know, if you eat like, you know, French fries every day and you eat fried or sugary foods, then you're going to have an issue with your heart. The same thing is going to happen to your brain. If like, that's the cycle it gets put in. And so I, what I've seen a lot of the times is, you know, someone will go through, you know, a period when they're a kid or they're a teenager through like this very, you know, they'll face either discrimination or issues like with like their family or abuse or some sort of a social community issue. And then a lot of the times, like the way that I visualize that is, it's just like your brain has like a tear in it the mm-hmm. same way that if you break your leg. Right. And the, and the issue with that though, is that we live in a society for the most part, where if you break your leg, it's no problem like everyone can see that, right. You go sure. to the hospital, you, get you a go cast. to the doctor, yeah. right. You get a cast, you go through a recovery process. Um, and I think when it comes to like mental health and your mind and your brain, the very much the same thing needs to happen, but for most people, it doesn't happen. And you get to a point to where, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, you're in your 20s, and the next thing you know, like you're, you're having all these other issues, you know, and a lot of the times, like whether it's physical health issues, mental health is- issues, um, social issues, addiction issues, I think it all ties back to the lack of um, like proper recovery, right? Because imagine if you had a broken leg and you just like left it there, right? I mean, it, it's going to, it's going to force itself to go through its own, like makeshift bootstrap recovery process but like your leg may be demented. It may have an infection, you know? And so I think a lot of these issues may arise as that. And you really have to look at like the root cause. You really have to look at the source because if you don't, a lot of the times you're just slapping on band-aids. And, and like another thing that I have used that I think is helpful for people is social anxiety. It's very much like an algorithmic virus. So the, so like, again, generally speaking, it happens around the ages of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, where you're just like living your life. And then all of a sudden, something happens that you don't know how to handle. And then you try to maybe hide that from everyone. Uh, you know, maybe there's some bullying or some discrimination or some abuse that's involved. And uh, next thing you know, this virus just kind of slips in as a seed. Mm. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Like, you know, if if a virus is self-replicating, the same exact thing happens. And it goes from just like your mind to you just like having thoughts of being shy. Then that becomes your behavior. And then that becomes your dominant emotion. And then, you know, if you show up every single day to the same school or the same building or the same organization, Mm. then you just get conditioned to. And then next thing you know, it's like this. It's like this algorithm that just runs by itself. You don't even have to think about it. And then once you realize that it's sort of been installed, a lot of the times it, it has its grips too too deep. And so a lot of, and then, and then again, like mental health is not really something that's talked about or social anxiety. So a lot of people then think like, oh, I have to. I have to just like work harder and become more successful so I can, so people, so I can look cool and have more friends. Then people will do like all these different things as a result of that. But when it's really just like a result of, you know, like you have to go through a recovery process to uninstall this virus, so to speak. Mm. And uh, just like the lack of information and, um, and just tools, people are not equipped to do it. And unfortunately that's why most people, Never escape this. And, and a lot of the times, too, is that if you have this issue, it's actually going to get worse. Um, and a lot of the times, people think, like, oh, you know, if I'm just like shy, or especially younger people, oh, if I'm just like shy, eventually I'll just like grow out of it. And a lot of the times, like, if you're over like 18, 19 and you're still shy, that's a sign that you're probably not going to grow out of it naturally. Like, you're going to have to do some, some steps. Um, and personally, for me, I think one of the biggest things that has helped me is to why like I didn't um you know fall back into a dark time again so to speak is because I just learned from people who are smarter than me. You know, and I just like read so many books and I was able to use my podcast to speak to so many different kinds of experts and like doctors and then ha- grow a huge network of people who know a lot about this and like understand like You know, what the science says, what's working for like the most amount of people. And like, yeah, go through my own path, but to do things that, you know, like a lot of people are doing that's been giving them, you know, relief or, you know, a recovery process, you know, through this. So I think that's very important for people to also keep in mind, if that makes sense.
1: No, it totally does. And I appreciate you sharing, especially what it feels like. And also, you know, the fact that, if you don't get help or disrupt the virus, right? It you're reinforcing the mental patterning that just gets deeper and deeper, and you need to start creating new patterns in order to 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 basically be able to be yourself, like you talked about, and even in the title of your book. Um, what was the first step that you took on your your road? Because I'm thinking there might be people who are listening who are who are adults going. Oh actually I I feel that. I've never really thought about it in terms of a label of social anxiety or you know like you said are, have become very successful and learned coping mechanisms around it but are suffering from really not really feeling truly who they are because they're afraid to put their voice out in the world. They're afraid to be who they are because of all the old that old programming that's so that runs so deep. Um or they may have kids who are, you know, everyone's oh she's just shy he's just shy um and kind of contributing to that and maybe not helping the child without Mm. realizing
0: so the first step that i took was really interesting so when i was going through this at the time um i had no idea like i had no idea what meant i still didn't i really had no idea what mental health was really nothing and for me personally like one of the biggest things that for me was like a step that i took was I realized that I was, uh, that I was sort of like overweight. And personally for me, like when I was going through this dark time, um, all of a sudden I just like rent, like just through trying to eat a lot of food to just deal with my emotions. All of a sudden I just like gained, um, you know, I think like 75, 80, 85 pounds. And so for me, I was like, wait, I like, I should probably lose weight. And that was the first thing that I realized that I could do. Cause I didn't know how to d- still really how to deal with mental health. And so for me, I kind of went on like this like health journey of trying to figure out how to lose weight, which led me on to discovering like, oh, I should probably change what I'm eating, which then led me to discover this concept um called like nutritional psychiatry, which, um, you know, if you've heard of is it, basically this idea that you know, food has much more to do than just like the calories or the the protein or the carbs that are in it, um, and it has much more to do than just like you know how much weight you gain or what's on your waistline. It's this bigger idea of like the food that you eat basically is then used by your brain and your body to like reconstruct your cells, and you know, like for example, like your brain is what burns the most amount of energy from your food. Like, for example, like I know, uh, like they've measured, uh, like a professional chess player, uh, where they're like in the middle of a tournament and like, they're using their brain. They're very strategic. They're, they're, you know, using their cognitive powers and they burn something like 6,000 calories an hour. Um, and so, and so, yeah, yeah, so for me, it was sort of like kind of randomly, like I kind of accidentally was like, Hey, I need to lose weight. But then I fell down this avenue of trying to basically eat like a brain healthy diet and mm-hmm. when I started to do that that I think was like one of the first things that actually led me to feel different. This um, is fascinating.
1: Can you talk about maybe what you had cuz you know there's that connection with the gut, the microbiome which feeds exactly. the brain and so healthy gut and microbiome also impacts the 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 brain and and maybe helps alleviate depression or things like that. It can help contribute. So what, what did you, yeah. What did you read a book? I'm just curious. What what did you discover there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's super interesting is that, um, you know, the number one cause of your gut microbiome, uh, being disrupted is like psychological stress, which a lot of the times like.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Because what you described growing up was like constant, you know, stress,
0: yeah, exactly. Right? Being exactly. on high
1: alert all the time. You're like ready. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, I got to manage all these things. My mind's going, exactly. going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting too, to look back on that is also at that time when I, you know, my social anxiety first started. Yeah. Uh, that's also where I started to all of a sudden have stomach issues and gut issues. And I started mm. to have autoimmune issues like asthma. And that's because like your immune system is directly tied to your gut. Um, And so what's interesting is that um, what I've basically understood is that, uh, you know, your brain, your body, your gut are all just like working, constantly connected to each other. And when you enter into an issue, like what I experienced, where you, your nervous system enters into fight or flight, you either freeze or you run away. um, Then a lot of times that, that sort of, it's almost like you're driving a car and it's like on D and then all of a sudden someone just puts it into N. Into neutral. And now you're just like you're trying to step on the gas, but the car's not moving. Um, and so the same kind of analogy is true for your gut microbiome. And like they have found that, you know, and a lot of the times when it comes to mental health and specifically social anxiety, uh, in the mental health community, there's often a big conversation around um like a specific neurotransmitter in your brain called serotonin,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: does a lot of different things in your body. Uh, but for example, one of the things that it does is it regulates, uh, like how you interact with people in social groups. Uh, it's, it's, it's massive for that. And what they found is that somewhere, I think around like 85, 90% of the data needed to generate serotonin is in your gut. So 85, 90% of serotonin is not even in your brain. Um, and so a lot of the times, like, Yeah. And so whether it's, whether it's the gut microbiome or whether it's just your brain itself, like, you know, because I, I talked about it before, like your brain has gone through, like for most people in this situation has gone through years and years and years of like damage, you know, your, your neurotransmitters, your neurons, they're firing in the same way. That's not very good for them. And so what I also discovered too, is that, um, you know, like I I like I learned so much and I took all these supplements and everything. And what I learned is that it's not necessarily the fact that like, all of a sudden, you know, if you eat like a salad, all of a sudden it's going to cure, you know, like your depression or anxiety. Right. However, you know, if your brain is not getting um, the essential nutrients that it needs, plus you already have anxiety and your gut is already disrupted. It just like it's just like the fuel to the flame. It makes everything worse. And, and really what it is is like it's that mechanism that physically makes you feel like you're stuck. It's that mechanism that makes you physically feel like, you know whether it's you don't have energy in the morning or um, you know like you, you enter into a classroom or you enter into an organization and your stomach starts to hurt or you start to feel butterflies in your stomach or you feel like this feeling of on edge. A lot of the times that is happening through like a collaboration of your brain and your gut and all these other processes too, that, um, your, you know, your diet plays a huge role. And again, like I, I tried so many different things and that was one of the first few things that I did where I was actually like, oh, wow, that's, that's like a night and day. You felt the difference. Well, you were,
1: you were obviously losing the weight you were exercising too, probably, which is also generating walking
0: around. I wasn't exercising. Yeah. I never really exercised for most of my life at all.
1: So that's good to know too. So it was really the diet and, but walking is very grounding. Um, what did you find a book or what did that brain healthy diet look like? Just out of curiosity?
0: Um, yeah, you know, I learned from all kinds of people. I, um, you know, learned the, like the, the bulletproof diet, uh, which I don't necessarily follow now. Um, what else? Um, I think that was the main one. Uh, There's another one too. I'm blanking on it. Um, And then I read like all kinds of different uh, like books and, and research all the time about this space, about like the gut, your brain, different, you know, studies that have been done, um, you know, that influence that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a very fascinating field and it's exciting because it's definitely like brand new. And, um, and it's just interesting because I think there's often like a lot of misconceptions about, uh, you know, this category. And a lot of the times people, you know, like, you know, a lot of times like eating healthy is not necessarily for some people, it's not necessarily grouped in with like mental health and social anxiety, which can definitely, you know, definitely interesting for some people can cause some issues, but it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely very important for sure. I'm just a fan of, making sure that you eat enough like fats and there's like an entire list of nutrients that your brain needs. Um, like for example, one, one person to look at is, uh, Oh, do I have it here? Oh no, it's somewhere else. Um, there's this guy, his name is Dr. Drew, Drew Ramsey. And he wrote this book called eat to beat depression, anxiety. I think his work is awesome. Uh, I think he takes a great approach at it. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, and then also too, like just trying to get rid of, uh, bad foods and not necessarily saying bad foods, but just trying to get rid of things that don't have much nutrients. And then also trying to go on a process to just like actively repair my system. Right. Because what I realize is like, I've been through years of just like terrible stuff. So, you know, I always had, for example, like sleeping problems my entire life. Um, and then when I changed my diet, that got a little bit better. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I need to make sure that I sleep. Uh, I started de- drinking all different kinds of like teas. I t- started taking all different kinds of supplements, um, and really just like went on this process and journey of just trying to experiment, trying to like, you know, learn from the science, trying to figure it out. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, for example, one of the things that, um, you know, that I discovered that I think was really helpful was just like, uh, you know, eating, uh, for example, eating and cooking and like supplementing like mushrooms, like mushrooms that you buy in a grocery store. Um, and like, what I mean by that is there's a specific kind of mushroom it's called like lion's mane mushroom, you know, uh, you know, if you know it, you know, it, you I know, has great about
1: adaptogens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now that, that kind of mushroom specifically has been shown in all different kinds of studies to help people with all sorts of brain related issues, from like Alzheimer's to brain inflammation to acting as like a neuroprotectant. And so there's a lot of different things out there. Um, and so I, ha- I also went on this process to try to just try to figure out like what, what do I need to do to, you know, repair? And a lot of it comes down to basics and foundations, but there's definitely. You know specific things that I think found that were pretty useful.
1: This is so good. Okay. so you took care of what you're eating, you got your sleep regulated. and at some point you launched the podcast. So when did that come in? So you went from literally not wanting to talk to anyone to interviewing some of the most recognized names um, out there. And so and again, you're twenty four. So when did you <laughs> launch it? and how how did you find your voice? How did you, get into, I feel like you are very much who you are. There's no, you're not, there's no um, veil that you're trying to put on to show a level of success. You just are authentically wanting to help others. That's what I see from you, Mark.
0: Awesome. That's so, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much for it's saying true, that. It's true
1: though. You. And it's, it must feel good in your body to like have figured that out. Cause you, like you said, so many adults are still on that path of just not feeling comfortable on their own skin. I mean, I think it's a journey for all yeah. of us, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, and I would say, you know, despite what I went through, it was also a great blessing because I also feel like literally like, because I faced such an extreme of like literally having social anxiety and every day, my brain going through this, where it was just like every day, I just was shown what happens when you're not yourself. And I just like went through that for 10 years and I was like, wow, that will literally lead you to almost killing yourself. And, um, yeah. and so for me, it was like that direct lesson that I like really literally took me 10 years to understand to then now, you know, like literally it's my job to be myself. If I'm a speaker and podcaster. Um, and so that's definitely a great lesson. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was definitely it. And, and, you know, my sleep too, that was definitely a huge process, but in terms of the podcast, So 2015 is where, you know, I was, what I would say, Mark version Um, (laughs) 1.0. And, um, and, and in, uh, you know, 2015, then 2016, I really spent that just like, trying to figure out like what to do and trying to get healthier and trying to go through this process and trying to uh, you know, deal with and trying to shed my layers of social anxiety and going through all different kinds of processes and uh, different like therapies. And then in 2017, that's when I started my podcast. And And I really did not start my podcast from like, hey, look what I did. It was really just like, I remember starting it because I was like, yo, I honestly don't know what to do in my life. Like I I'm stuck. Like, you know, I was on my journey. Uh, you know, like I was a year or year and a half of my journey and it was very difficult. And I was just like, I need to learn more. Like I need to meet people that are doing this because I have no idea. And so for me, my podcast was very much just like, and like, you know, I call it my, uh, it was just like my own version of like a school where what I would do is like, I would just be on my learning journey and I would just learn of these different things. And then You know, for example, if if I came across like meditation and I started to meditate, I was like, okay, let me try to reach out to the top 10, you know, best experts or people who I can get a hold of on meditation and just talk to them for an hour. And I would do that. And I just do that with every single subject and and thing that I was interested that I would need it for my own life. And so, um, you know, for me, I definitely did a lot of work before I even started a podcast, um, and me starting it, it was not from, it was not like for marketing purposes, um, it was really just like, I need to learn. I need to talk to people. One of the greatest ways to learn is to have like a direct conversation with someone where you can, you know, to ask them anything you want to. And I just did that for years and years and years. And something like 500 episodes later, you know, it's be, definitely become a massive part of my life. And, and yeah, my first episode ever that it did in my podcast I was literally so nervous and I'm, I still get nervous sometimes when I do podcasts, but at the end of the day, it was really a, a skill for me to learn to how to, how to use my voice. And it was definitely a very gradual process of just like every day, every week, uh, you know, living it in my own life, but then also trying to, you know, uh, you know, start this podcast and do it. And then also as my podcast started to get more successful, then, you know, people, for example, started to invite me to speak. So then I started to show up like in my real life for like all these, you know, different people, you know, were also interested in the same subject. And it was a very amazing experience for me just over the years, you know? And so now I don't, I don't really, even really think about it. Like, I don't even really think about like how I'm going to present myself or my conflict. Like I, it's, they're, they're not really things that I think about because, I've just been able to do it every single day or at least as often as I can. And that doesn't doesn't mean that I don't struggle with, you know, different issues with my voice or anxiety or whatever, but it's just like at the end of the day, there's just like a deep seated, uh, like knowing and an environment around me that I've been able to create over the years where I'm just like, all right, no matter what, everything's going to be okay. Like no matter what I'm, I'm going to make it for sure
1: if someone were listening today, like I said, either for themselves or their child, I mean, we won't even get into, we're at the end of the interview, but you know, obviously the pandemic has just heightened, uh, anxiety for people to all time highs. And, um, you know, maybe they have a child who's struggling because of that or was before anyway, and it's even worse or, um, top three tips. Like what, what, what could you leave them with? You know, what's, obviously in terms of health, bio-individuality, everybody's body is different, but, you know, any advice from your book, from your experience? And also, did you seek out help, like, from a therapist or anyone? It sounds like you did a lot of this on your own, Mark.
0: Yeah, I um, I went through this crazy, also this crazy period, too, where I went to all different kinds of, uh, like, doctors and, um, and like, psychotherapists. Um, so, yeah, I did do that, but... Um, in terms of top three tips, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, you know, if you're in a period where you're, like, suicidal, I definitely think you should seek help. Um, and then and, and also, if you're not, I also think that it's just a very important lesson and a common theme of just, like, like, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And it's a very common theme of, like, if you don't have the answers, you need to go out and search and, and find them. And a lot of the times, I think a lot of times we can be stuck because we're not learning the new skills because we think that we already know everything. And I think a lot of the times, especially, you know, people who are anxious or people who are more introverts, who maybe have a tendency to overthink more again, like it's very easy to get stuck in this very like cerebral pattern of just like thinking, 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 when in reality you're not critically thinking and you're just doing the same things over and over again. Uh, and so I think seeking help, whether that is in a professional manner, or, you know, just like trying to just like learn things that you've never learned about online or through books or through people or through Ted talks or whatever it is like, that's so important consistently. Um, so I think that's one number two is, yeah, I would definitely say like, um, when it comes to social anxiety, when it comes to long-term social anxiety, I really do believe that it is a like biochemical um, issue, uh, and and it's obviously a multifaceted issue. There's many different layers to the issue, but I definitely think that if someone has been stuck in that same state of their body and of their biochemistry, and like all this stuff is really just what's really happening inside of their cells, I definitely think there needs to be some sort of, whether you go see, you know, a doctor or a holistic doctor, or you take like a course, or you take a program to teach you how to sort of control your biochemistry, whether it's food or sleep or exercise, um, or even your breathing patterns or, 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 you know, mindfulness meditation is huge. Um, And then, yeah, and the last tip that I would give is, if you've done the first two, I think it's very important that you do the first two before you do this, then I recommend someone go through this process called exposure therapy. And you can you know, do this with you know, like a, a literal therapist, um, but you can also do it by yourself. And basically what you do is there's four different layers to social anxiety when it comes to your mind. Uh, And, and for example, those four different layers of social anxiety are number one is you'll get socially anxious around your physical appearance. Uh, Number two, you'll get socially anxious around like your social skills. So people will feel like they have no social skills. They don't know how to introduce someone themselves to someone. Uh, Number three, people will get socially anxious around just like their entire personality and their character which often happens in the long term if it goes on and the fourth one is they'll get socially anxious around the signs of being anxious itself so whether they are they're like they're hunched over and they're like wow everyone can tell that I'm shy or they start sweating like wow everyone can see this then that starts like another layer of anxiety and it sort of becomes wow. like this loop and so basically what you do through exposure therapy and again, I, I highly, highly recommend that people do not start off with this. Um, I highly recommend like you need to have either professional help or, or, or biochemical help uh, before, because if you try to do this without that, you're probably going to fail, which is probably going to make you feel worse. Um, but basically what you do is you break down each one of these layers and you know, there's a process you go through where you try to figure out. Like what layers do I specifically have and what makes up those layers and how did they get there? So you kind of have to do some homework. So for example, for me, one of these layers was with my physical appearance in terms of like the clothes that I was wearing. And the reason why is because, you know, when I was growing up and I kind of lived in this small town, It was a pretty affluent, you know, small town, but my family and I were not. And so I remember wearing just like the same clothes to school every day. And then people would make fun of me and bully me. And so I built up this kind of like social anxiety of like, I'm just like, I'm just like afraid of what people are thinking of my clothes and and all the situation. And so I went through this process where I kind of found that out. And then I just slowly but surely began to expose myself to that fear. And one of the ways that I did that, for example, was I I would go to like the most publicly crowded place that I could find, um, like a mall, for example. And I would wear the most ridiculous clothes to literally condition my brain to be like, yeah, Mark, this is literally what happens when people are looking at your clothes. And they're like, what what the hell is that guy wearing? Um, And so that's like an (laughs) example. Wait, how old
1: were you when you did that?
0: I was probably like... It was probably like, uh, I don't even know. I think I was like In 18 college? or just turned 19. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So you went and just bought something that you didn't even really wouldn't normally wear just to, just to, yeah, I brought, yeah.
0: Stuff? Yeah. I bought like this pink, like this bright pink neon tight shirt and tight shorts and like a, like a pink cowboy hat. So it's very, very crazy. And that's the, okay, that's the not, entire so point So not of of something
1: that. you would normally wear. It was obviously no. something to draw attention to, have yeah. the experience of feeling like people are looking at you for what you're wearing, which is what that pattern was, right? Was yeah, which is what social
0: anxiety tells you every day, regardless of, of what you're wearing, you're even wearing. if it was
1: perfectly fine. So you went right. very extreme. Okay. And what happens?
0: Nothing. And that's what happens. Like you go through this process where you slowly but surely, incrementally expose yourself to your fears. And I'm not going to say every time, but usually every time you're like, oh, wow, I'm not going to die. And like that slowly conditions your brain to be okay with people thinking of you, whatever the way that they want to think of you, uh, which is a huge component of social anxiety. And so you can do that through all those layers. Um, that's also, you know, great help too. And so, but again, I don't recommend like, if you're, if you're just listening to this and you've never done anything to deal with social anxiety at a very there. consistent level, definitely yeah. do not start there.
1: Yeah. Cause that could be traumatizing could add yeah. to the trauma, right? Um, yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. This is so good. Well, I'm going to link <laughs> your book in the show notes on the website at the I'll link Dr. Drew Ramsey's book. Um, was, was it, um, Beat, eat to beat depression,
0: uh, eat to beat depression and anxiety.
1: I'll, I'll link that. Any other resources you want to mention today?
0: Um, well, I mean, I do have like this, um, like over the last two years when my book came out, I spent, uh, like literally all of quarantine, like a year and a half, two years, uh, trying to create like a online self-paced program for people who maybe don't necessarily want to read. But want to go through something that will every day take them through, like, hey, here's what you need to know, here's what you gotta do, be careful of these traps. And so it's sort of like a self-paced course, part of it is interactive. Um, and and so that's one of the best things that I found um that I've created that's helped a lot of people because a lot of the times, too, like you you'll have a good day, and then sometimes you won't have a great day. And and again, going back to my analogy of like it being a virus, you really have to go through a very intentional step-by-step process to recover and to remove this virus. Because if you don't, then you're just like going to be going through every day, just like going through like and a getting. A ping pong table, you're just gonna yeah, like place. a ping pong table and ping pong um, ball. I should
1: say, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and it's going to be very brutal. I mean, and at the end of the day, it's just like life is hard either way. And so if it's going to be hard either way, you might as well do what's going to be worth it. And if you can take action on something that will make you better in the future, especially in terms of like something like anxiety, like you're going to have your brain forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's never going to leave you. Like literally if you have 10, like tomorrow, if you wake up and you have $10 billion And you have the greatest family of all time, and you have great friends. And of course, all these things matter for sure. But if you are not training your mind or or not dealing with issues that you know you have, same brain, like it's not gonna matter. So you're gonna be stuck with the same thing. So that's what I've learned. And um, that's why I think it's so important to be involved in something that is at a weekly level, daily level to help put yourself in a system that's bigger than you. Because a lot of the times, like if you're just doing it by yourself, um it's uh it's very hard. It's very defeating. So you definitely need help to whatever degree that you got to get it out.
1: Yeah, this is great. And I would, and I'll link your website where that that resource is in the in the show notes as well. And I guess when you were just saying that, it's making me think so, like September was suicide prevention awareness month. And there was one post I saw on um, Instagram where it was somebody who had taken his life, who had the perfect job, always happy, multi sport athlete, you know, just on paper in person, probably looked like the happiest, most self like well adjusted person, but clearly suffering inside. And so if that person is putting on, you know, trying to put on what you're talking about, being successful and all these other layers to maybe feel accepted, we need to, especially in this time of such division in our country, really lean Mm -hmm. into more kindness, more self-acceptance, more curiosity towards others, and really don't make assumptions because somebody could seem like they have it all together and be falling to pieces inside.
0: And that was literally me. And like, that's why to this day of course I'm not perfect I have my issues but that's why I, I try my best to never judge anyone because I literally have been in that situation where number one I was judging other people but then also having it you know perfect on the outside but then on the inside you know you're going through all sorts of terrible issues and it's a uh, it's a, it's a very very common problem it's a very common problem and I think that you know similar on your note, we have got to keep, you know, trying to create, you know, these intentional conversations around this, because that's really the only way that we're going to be able to learn and communicate to really, you know, get out of this issue. And, you know, as much as it sucks to say, I, I, unfortunately, I think this is going to get worse. So definitely think we got our work cut out ahead of us for sure.
1: Completely. And thank you for the work, you know, you're doing the world and taking your pain and you know, healing yourself and doing, continuing to do the work and and spreading it. And, you know, I've had plenty of, like, I've had therapists come on and we'll have more, but it's also so nice to have somebody who's speaking their truth and their authentic experience because you are somebody's child, right? So somebody's going to see themselves, their child in you, they're going to see themselves in you versus like a theoretical, like, let me tell you about this patient they're hearing it directly of what that felt like in your body and how bad it got and how you thankfully, thankfully Mark chose to go on the path that you did and that you're here with us. So thank you so much for today. Really, you have a beautiful heart. And this was a great conversation. I so appreciate your time.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for doing everything that you do and you're a great host and um, and yeah, I'm just trying my best every day and I'm just trying to, you know, do my part and help people. And, uh, and yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome.
1: Markmetry.com.
0: Markmetry.com. Awesome.
1: There we go. Yeah. We're going to say it on there. I'll link it, but it's just easy if people can hear it too. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Michelle.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you, to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into,